This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. And here on Mishmash, if you're a longtime listener, we tend to talk about marijuana quite often. It's true. <laughs> be it recreational or medicinal. And we actually have really good reason to be talking about it this week because the state has released the numbers for the first three months of having legalized recreational marijuana in the state, the amount of money that the state has gotten in, and the amount of money that shops are reporting that they have brought in. Jake, what do those numbers look like? Well, according to Lara, the Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs here in Michigan, $32 million in total sales so far. And the last week of February was the largest week so far at over $4 million. If you look at the line of uh, that total sales on a graph, it's not just a linear line straight up. It's kind of a curve. So it seems like as more shops are opening up around the state, that uh, sales are growing, you could say, exponentially in some ways. And so far, the state has seen over $5 million in total revenue from these sales. And those numbers might sound like a lot for someone who doesn't know exactly what the expectations are. But if you look at what the expectations are, it actually hasn't been a great rollout. Uh, it's going slower than a lot of people expected and slower than what other states saw when they adopted uh, recreational marijuana in their states. And Robin Schneider, the executive director for the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, says that has a lot to do with not having enough supply. That it's not so much the number of stores, although that plays a, a role, but the supply just is not there to meet the demand. The total sales are not super impressive, but it's, it, over time, as we get more grows up and running, we'll be able to start to meet market demand. Um, it'll level out and we'll start to look like other states. So once those grows get up and running, however, there is still kind of a lack of shops in areas across Michigan. The two biggest cities in the state, over there in Detroit with you, over here in Grand Rapids with me, neither of our cities currently have recreational marijuana shops. We're getting some in sort of the sort of outsider areas, but over here in Grand Rapids, based on reporting by MLive reporter Michael Kranz, the whole process of actually getting a shop within Grand Rapids is pretty much in limbo right now. And same thing here in Detroit, that city council is looking for ways to make sure that people who are disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, by marijuana prohibition, especially people of color, especially low-income people, that they have a way into the market, that they are able to open shops themselves and benefit from the market that will open up uh, without being priced out. And that is something that uh, especially Councilman James Tate here in Detroit is working on. And in the meantime, we do not have licenses for recreational shops here. And it's going to be interesting to see what would happen if the two largest cities Cities in the state do end up opening up shops, which will likely eventually happen. But in the meantime, we won't actually be filling all of those potholes with pot. Jake, as you mentioned earlier, you spoke with Robin Schneider of the Michigan Cannabis Association. That's right. And we talked a lot about why the sales are what they are, what sort of barriers they've been facing uh, regulatory wise and where things go in the future. And it was a great conversation. So here's my conversation with Robin Schneider. You know, I think that we're overall we're behind what uh, the rollouts in other states have looked like. Um, and that goes back to the fact that we did not have enough grows up and running 
in order to supply the market. Um, Typically, we've seen other states, um, example, Ohio, they issued the grow licenses first for their medical program. And then once those grows were up and running, um, they licensed the retail establishments. And um, here in Michigan, the state decided to license everybody at the same time. Um, And they actually also decided to allow us to start recreational sales with um, our very limited supply of medical inventory. Um, And so that's not, you know, that's not an ideal rollout um, for a adult use program, and it's certainly not the norm. Um, So as an industry, we are just uh, working to increase production as quickly as we can, Um, you know, and and so, yeah, the, the, the total sales are not not super impressive, um, but it's, it, over time, as we get more grows up and running, um, we'll be able to start to meet market demand. Um, it'll level out, and we'll start to look like other states. Yeah, just to put that into some context, I mean, the, the, the number of $32 million over three months to a layman might seem like a big number, but if you talk about even just the, the total revenue that some people were talking about, uh, with with this for for the state, we were talking in the nine figures uh, as a possibility for for cannabis sales if they were you know once it was legalized. Um, you know this is this is nowhere close to to that at this point. But uh, as you said, uh, we're we're pretty early on here. Yeah, and you know Illinois. Um, there's there's another piece to this. Um, you know when Illinois got up and running, um, they pretty much launched their rec program statewide. In Michigan, we have a local um, opt-in uh, law, and, you know, that's something that, you know, we had for our medical program. It's something that we have for our recreational program. And, unfortunately, the municipalities have been slow to get on board. Um, and so that is the other piece to the puzzle as to why our revenue is, is not, you know, the greatest compared to other states. Um, but I, I would encourage local municipalities to, you know, move along with their ordinances, and and that's really the key. We have medical grows all across the state that could easily um, add on to their facilities and um, move forward with growing recreational plants as well, Um, but they're waiting and fighting with their local municipalities to opt into RAC, and unfortunately, that is slowing the whole state down as far as supply um, as we're waiting for those municipalities to um, opt in. And so, you know, we're really focused on working with our members and often um, our staff goes to local um, council meetings. We are happy to, you know, weigh in on ordinances, give local communities advice. We do it all the time. Um, but I think that every municipality needs to look at how did their voters vote on this? What percentage voted that they wanted recreational marijuana and, um, you know, carry out the will of their voters and, and remember that they're missing out on that tax revenue um, themselves if they don't move forward with letting those facilities also grow recreational cannabis. So um, I think right now for us, our main focus is the municipalities that have those medical grows in them and making sure that they're moving forward with um, a rec ordinance. And that's the key to supplying the retail across the state. Um, the other issue we're having is that our um, cannabis in Michigan is one of the highest priced in the country um, per ounce. And that, again, is because of the lack of supply in the regulated market um, and the fact that we launched direct sales without 
building the infrastructure, having the rec grows up and running and licensed first. Um, over time, as more municipalities are opting in um, and those grows are able to start growing recreationally, the price per pound will come down wholesale and it'll begin to reflect at the retail level and that will bring more consumers out of the illicit market and into the regulated market um, where they'll be able to be assured that they're getting products at a fair price, but also, um, you know, that they're safe and clean and tested, um, you know, by state licensed labs as well. And that's really important. You've got two of the biggest cities in the state that still haven't uh, opened up to recreational sales. I'm curious what, uh, if you have expectations for what would happen if those two cities uh, just by themselves would open up, it seems like that would be um, a pretty big boost to the market. Well, and, and this is a conversation I've had with quite a few communities, and I keep coming back to the fact that we have been dealing with a supply shortage um, you know, for, for the last two years. And my thought on that is, you know, the ballot initiative, uh, we very intentionally put language in there. And I, I worked on the Prop 1 campaign before my role with the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association. Um, we wanted to be inclusive. And so we did put language in there requiring the state to, um, you know, make an effort to include people that have been disproportionately affected by um, cannabis prohibition and enforcement. So um, the state set up a, um, a social equity program, very thorough program, very helpful program, um, where they are educating, um, you know, the public in areas that they've identified as social equity areas, um, giving them discounts, um, and in, into the program. I think that the bigger issue is still the, the money, the startup money, for social equity applicants. And I know that, you know, some of us have talked about different ideas like incubator programs and, and things like that. But, but now that the state has announced the phase out of caregiver product into the regulated market, meaning because of the shortage, the state has been making an exception for over a year, allowing the licensed facilities to take in caregiver product and, and supplement our inventory shortage with it. Now they've announced that they're going to phase that out over the next seven months um, so that we are a complete seed-to-sale tracked program. What I would really love to see is, are those cities that are looking for social equity programs to look at the possibility of how they can help social equity applicants get into the 100 plant grows or the 500 plant grows and make those um, easily attainable. And the first step to that is not using exclusionary zoning practices. So as we've seen in some of these cities, they make the zoning so um, strenuous that the price of real estate in the areas that allow, the few areas that allow it, skyrockets. So only people that are very well financed can even afford the properties to begin with. So we need to be careful with zoning that we are not, you know, unintentionally zoning out the social equity applicants from being able to obtain the real estate. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's one thing, but you know, we could, we could also, you know, foster um, a scenario where the social equity applicants could um, get into those hundred plant grow licenses um, at a reasonable cost. They have a very low assessment fee. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm hopeful that that will, um, you know, also help the inventory shortage in the process. 
You've also faced uh, some regulatory changes recently, uh, specific, specifically uh, the state saying that it, you'll, they'll no longer allow uh, caregivers to sell to stores. And this is okay. uh, this is months down the road. They're, they're giving mm-hmm. you some advance notice of this. But uh, talk about the effect of that. Well, I think it's important to go back to, you know, through history of our 2008 ballot initiative that legalized medical marijuana. And that initiative did not allow for licensed businesses. Um, it allowed for caregivers to grow medical marijuana for their five registered qualifying patients. And so anything outside of that relationship technically was ruled illegal by the Supreme Court already. Um, and so I think that, that this doesn't come to a surprise to us because the MMFLA, which governs our medical licensing program, and MRTMA, which is our legalization program that the voters just voted on last year, um, I think that it, those, the law is very clear that the, that the product that is grown in Michigan has to be licensed and tracked from seed to sale and regulated by the state. And so um, while we're concerned about supply issues and we're certainly concerned about price fluctuations, um, I don't think it's really a surprise to any of us because the state has always been clear to us that the caregiver product allowing us to supplement with that was a very, very temporary thing. So I think some of us are just glad that they did it because we wouldn't have had any product all this time. We'd still be waiting for the growth to come online. Um, but um, I think as we're moving forward, it's just um, it's important to continue to have the caregiver program Um, Because the caregivers, you know, they can work directly with those patients. It might be their loved ones, someone they care about, a husband, a wife who's sick. They need to be able to grow their their medicine for them at home um, at an affordable or next to nothing cost and provide that to their loved ones. And so as an association, I know we intend to continue to support that caregiver program because it's, it's better for patients. Just really quick, I'm curious if in some ways you think that there is a benefit to this being sort of a slower rollout that, um, you know, I've heard some people, even advocates say that, uh, look, you know, ultimately we want this to be a product that's available and that there's a, a big market for and that people feel like they have access and it's safe. Uh, but, you know, for the, the overall public's perception of what legalizing cannabis meant, uh, having suddenly a large market with stores, uh, you know, everywhere, um, without sort of a slower uh, pace of change, uh, ultimately could benefit the way that people react to this. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, I don't really see it that way. But you know, I from the Lansing area, and um, three years ago we had ninety-five uh, retail locations in the city of <laughs> right. Lansing that were yeah. completely unregulated and. You know, it was uh, same thing with Detroit. I think there were mm-hmm. close to 200. Um, and it really wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, some uh, some people thought it was too many. Um, but in general, it didn't make our communities less safe. And so um, I would say that, if anything, you know, from my perspective, we have way less access to um, cannabis today than we did three years ago. Um, but that's normal when you take an unregulated program and then require licensing because only the people that qualify get the licenses and then require testing because a lot of that product is now getting destroyed. Um, and so so I think that it, 
it almost kind of reset and it's almost like starting over, Hmm. um, you know, with all the, all the rules and regulations. And while it's frustrating, um, you know, to deal with, you know, the campaign was regulate marijuana like alcohol. Um, and so, you know, you can still have your home brewing, um, you know, or home growing. And, and if you want to go sell alcohol or make alcohol for sale, you have to go get a license. But, um, you know, at the end of alcohol prohibition, same thing. Communities opted in um, a little bit at a time. In fact, just a few years back, I remember we still had, I think it was Zealand was still opted out, I recall, hmm. um, for alcohol sales. Um, and, you know, I, I remember thinking how silly that was. And so, um, you know, I think Michigan, it's, it's similar um, that some communities don't, you know, allow don't want it um, for retail, but as far as the um, growth of it and, you know, the, the growth facilities, um, you know, they're really important because that's where we're going to get our inventory statewide, and that's why we're really focused on moving the grows along right now. Sure. And, and until we get our production up and running um, and we can and meet the market demand in the regulated market, um, we're not, we're going to um, not be able to compete with the illicit market because the prices are so much lower on the illicit market. And so that the goal of the ballot initiative was to reduce arrests, which we have accomplished, and that is a great thing. Um, but the second um, reason for the ballot initiative in, in paragraph two that all the voters read um, was to reduce the illicit market. Um, and so we're still working on that piece, and, and the goal to that is to increase production um, in the regulated market, and that's how we accomplish that goal. Robin Schneider is the executive director of the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association. Robin, thank you so much for joining us on Mishmash. Thank you, Jake. Great to talk to you. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.